0: Welcome to Top Stories. I am Andy Zaltzman. Here at The Bugle, we would be lost without certain world leaders who have provided us and continue to provide us with endless amounts of content through their somewhat questionable actions, a price I'm sure humanity as a whole believes is thoroughly worth paying. And back in issue 135 of The Bugle, John Oliver and I gave a bugly thanks to none other than Kim Jong-il.
1: Top Story this week. Career advice. Stop right there, John.
0: Stop right there. It's still on. The royal wedding (laughs) is still on. The cynic said it wouldn't last a week. It's lasted two weeks. This country is back on track. Big day now scheduled for Friday, 29th of April, 2011, meaning that could be a bugle recording day. Yes. So as official podcast of the Royal Wedding, we will be first on the scene to ask, so Kate, you've caused some controversy by being the first bride at a Royal Wedding to be wearing a fluorescent pink catsuit. Do you think you'll be the last to allow your wedding dress to be decided by a public vote? Anyway, it's still on, John. It's still on. Carry on.
1: Was that was that last joke also written with crickets in the <laughs> foreground? It? Yep,
0: yep. I think that was written just after Peter Siddle had completed his hat trick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Andy, Thanksgiving is all about being grateful for the good things in your life and the bugle itself have to be thankful for all those international lunatics whose whack jobbery (laughs) has proved so inspirational over the last 135 episodes. I believe in Thanksgiving's past, we've already offered up thanks to Hugo Chavez, (laughs) to Silvio Berlusconi, to Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, and to Captain Crazy himself, Kim Jong-il. But, like clockwork, and almost as a reminder as to who the big daddy of douchebaggery is, (laughs) Kim Jong-il and his Maxi-me offspring, Kim Jong-un launched an attack on South Korean Island this week, killing two civilians and two marines. Now, South Korean officials described Tuesday's attack as surprising and shocking, and going on to say, we couldn't have imagined they would carry out this kind of grave provocation. Really? (laughs) Because I could have imagined that. (laughs) I could have imagined that quite easily. Why could I have imagined that? Because, and uh, how to put this delicately, your neighbours to the north are f***ing nuts. Now, to be fair as well to the North Koreans, this action is entirely consistent with their inexplicably self-destructive behavior. In fact, I go so far as to say, this is one of the least surprising attacks in military history. I'm fairly sure if you live in Seoul and you hear a loud noise outside and someone says, well, that sounds like a car backfired, (laughs) your first instinct would be to say, don't be ridiculous, it's probably just North Korea firing missiles at us.
0: Yeah, it's not really what you want. When, uh, certainly when des- uh, guests go on Desert Island Discs here on the, on the radio, John, and choose the uh, songs and the one luxury item they'd like to take to a desert island, not many choose as their luxury item an artillery bombardment by the North Korean military, which probably explains why South Korea was pretty pissed off about it in the circumstances. You know, if they if just fired in something that people might actually want as their special treat, you know, a snooker table or a lifetime supply of Parma Ham, or a three times life-size working robot of Barbara Hershey, then fine. But bombs are a definite no-no. And to me it seems that Kim Kim Jong-il, you know, he's known to be uh, increasingly close to death, maybe thinking about his legacy, you know, he's always wanted to, uh, to fight the entire Western world. He's, he's like a boxer reaching the end of his career. This could be the last chance where he hangs up his arsenal and retires dead. And, uh... I mean, to be fair, my money would be on the entire Western world to beat him in that fight, so it's not really a match anyone wants to see. But um, anyway, good luck to the lads. Good luck.
1: The only surprise is that this didn't take place along the DM as the demilitarised zone between the two borders. Instead, it was only disputed maritime border. And of course, of course it's disputed, for a start. It borders with North Korea and they dispute everything. <laughs> they dispute whether or not they should have a nuclear weapon. They dispute whether or not their population should be not starving or not. <laughs> and they dispute whether a fully grown world leader should have a gigantic water slide in his back garden. <laughs> they just have different views to the rest of us on that. The maritime border is said to be one of the world's most volatile flashpoints. And that is high, high praise indeed. <laughs> to be placed right up there with the Gaza Strip and with Kashmir is something that both sides should really take a moment to be really proud of.
0: <laughs> well, I really don't help, I think it helps, John, uh, the fact that uh, in North Korea, practically every single place in the country sounds like the sound effect of a ricocheting bullet. Um, and, you know, when when <laughs> the places in your country sound like Pyongyang! Yongpyong! Incoming! Ryongchon! Huchok! <laughs> Tong, get out! Cover me! I'm going in. Ho Dong, touch on Kim Cheuk, Kang Gear. Tell my wife I love her. Pyeong Song, bang Gang, Kaijon, I'm hit! Medic, medic! I guess it's understandable. Like, I get a little bit militaristic every now and again.
1: <laughs> now, one of the one of the problems regarding this late, latest Korean kerfuffle is the rules of engagement that South Korea have been trying to stick by. They are bound, or self-bound, to stay within a sufficient but proportionate response. And that has proven exactly as much of a deterrent as you'd imagine it would. <laughs> and what has the international response to this been so far? Well, it's been a combination of, really? Oh, for f***s sake, <laughs> god damn this, and the most popular, hey, China, you got something to say about this? <laughs> hey, don't look out the window, China, I know you can hear me. Do you have something to say about this? China. China. Hello? Hello? Yeah, you know, it's funny, China, because you can understand me perfectly when we were just talking about trade agreements. <laughs> Your yeah, English was absolutely fantastic then. <laughs> China!
0: <laughs> yeah, in fact, the official uh, wording of the uh, response to the international community uh, in UN Resolution 1952 has been, Oh, what now? You again. You total dick followed by Resolution 1953, which reads, Yeah, we really mean it this time. We've got other shit to do apart from calling you a total dick, Kim Jong-il. Missile tests, shelling the little islands, generally prancing around in uniforms, giving it the big billy bollockheads. Come off it! In sum, if you stop behaving like a total dick, that will be much appreciated, Colonel Dickbag. And also Resolution 1953... 1950- <laughs> Also, Resolution 1954. Oh, so you've got a flashy new nuclear reactor. Well, react to this, big horse! And I believe that is the first time in UN history that a Secretary-General has drawn a picture of his own extended middle finger in the official text of a Security Council resolution, at least since since Dag Hammarskjöld drew two on Resolution 119 to try to resolve the Suez Crisis. One for each side, with swivel on these losers, written in English and Arabic. (laughs)
1: The... In fact, the best response that the Chinese Foreign Ministry could come up with was to express concern over the exercises and and going on to say, we oppose any act that undermines peace and stability on the peninsula. Now, what you can't hear with that statement when you hear it second-hand is that it was literally delivered through a yawn. They (laughs) dictated that response, saying, okay, uh, get this down, we oppose any act that undermines peace and stability Uh, On the peninsula, or I don't know, some shit like that. (laughs) Okay, read it back to me. Actually, you know what, don't bother, I really don't want to hear it. (laughs) Wow, I need a cup of coffee. (laughs) So, why are North Koreans doing this? Well, you know, that's a hard question to answer. It's like asking, why does that crazy man in the street walk around naked from the waist down (laughs) acting like an airplane all day? He has his reasons. But they may not make any sense to you. Really?
0: Is this you justifying an action that you've never told us about before, John?
1: (laughs) He has his reasons, Andy.
0: Really? Does he? Does he, this man in this story? (laughs) Really? He does. Right. And has Bedford Uh, Town uh, Centre come to terms with that yet?
1: They weren't ready for it. (laughs) They weren't ready for that kind of logic. He was ahead of his time. It's just a shame he had to leave to go to America because of it. (laughs) Uh, Some analysts have been speculating that this is all due to the upcoming leadership transfer in North Korea from Kim Jong-il to his son, Kim Jong-un, and this is bound to be a bumpy transition as Kim Jong-un has some big, crazy clown shoes to fill. He's not being the son of Michael Jordan or Pele. In fact, the best way of rebelling against his dad would be to become a pragmatic, reasonable leader guiding his country to a new era of prosperity and improved international relations. (laughs) That would really piss the old man off. Maybe he could get an earring too.
0: That was another top story. Thank you for listening. The Bugle Podcast continues to be alive because of your regular or one-off contributions. Do fund my shed renovations and cricket memorabilia... Sorry, the continued future health and independence of the show at thebuglepodcast.com.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Tesla's